Hello, and welcome to another episode of Boundless Body Radio. I'm your host, Casey Ruff, and today we have another amazing guest to introduce to you now. Mike Fitch is an innovative fitness educator and movement coach with 20 years experience in the fitness industry. He is the founder and creator of Animal Flow, a unique ground-based movement program that has certified more than 10,000 fitness professionals in 42 countries. Mike has also developed multiple other skills-based bodyweight training programs, including the Bodyweight Athlete. He spent years exploring and coaching a range of techniques, including kettlebells, Olympic lifts, corrective exercise, and pre- and post-rehabilitation. However, it wasn't until he turned 30 years old that he decided to put down the weights and explore bodyweight disciplines. Today, Mike remains dedicated to these various bodyweight-based disciplines, but still draws upon his educated knowledge to develop new training programs. His work has been featured in various popular media outlets, such as Men's Health, Men's Fitness, Good Morning America, Paleo Magazine, and Strength Matters, among others. Mike Fitch, what an honor to welcome you to Boundless Body Radio. Hey, Casey, thanks for having me. Man, aren't bios the worst? Or at least... <laughs> They're amazing. <laughs> I feel like... <laughs> I feel like my bio has has been needed to be rewritten for years. Oh, funny. Uh, but anyways, hey, man, how are you? Thanks I'm doing for great. I'm doing great. It's really an honor to host you. We have followed you and your work for a very long time. Um, I've tried this a few times before on the show, and it clearly isn't working because traffic around here is awful. You are in Denver. We are in Salt Lake City. Please convince the audience to move to your side of the hill and stay away from our side. There's nothing going on in Salt Lake. <laughs> well, look, I don't know that I have to convince anyone to move here because everyone is moving here right now. <laughs> everyone. I mean, the, it's like uh, the house that I've been renting for the past two years, the landlord decided to sell it. And it's, I mean, it sold in less than five seconds, I think. It's that's, crazy. That's insane. Everyone is coming to Colorado. Wow. Well, keep yeah. it keep I think it everyone's going. just running for the hills. <laughs> keep it going and stay away from Salt Lake. We're, we're too crowded as is. <laughs> Oh, Will do, buddy. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, so I, your story is very interesting. And maybe we could take a minute to just kind of talk about how, you know, you got into training and then you worked for a big box gym. And then, like we said in the intro that needs to be updated, um, you you ditched the weights and came up with your own program. Can you tell us a little bit about that story? Yeah, for sure. So you you are correct. I did start with more of a big box gym. And I was actually really lucky lucky to start with this particular gym because they put so much attention into educating the trainers and, you know, their educational system was quite extensive and it really just set the tone for my entire career, which was never stop gathering knowledge. And so at that point, you know, I did just that. And I worked with the company. When I left that company, I explored all of the things. And, you know, I think as most fitness people do, I would find something new and really get into it. So I really, you know, the early adaptation or the early introduction of kettlebells into the U.S. I really got into kettlebells. I really got into Olympic lifting. I really got into the, the pre-post rehabilitation um, work. And I eventually got to the point where I was just lifting a lot of weights. And it was just my goal to be as big and strong as possible. And I did that for a couple of years. And I just realized, you know, this just doesn't feel good in my body any longer. And as much as I knew about proper training, proper technique, periodization, programming, et cetera. I just felt like, you know what? I'm in this, we're all in these infinitely complex bodies, but I felt like I was only 
exercising my ability to become stronger and to build muscle mass. And I just felt like intuitively I needed to change. I needed, I needed to have more experiences. And I decided to just put down the weights. And at 30 years old, I decided to start getting into only body weight based movement style. So I started off with calisthenics and, you know, street workout stuff. That was really, really inspiring to me because I love the idea of not needing anything other than your own body weight. And then from there, I got into gymnastics and parkour and breaking or break dancing. I really got into hand balancing. And I just thought, you know what? There's so much here that I feel like I'm benefiting from. I feel so inspired, even though I'm absolutely terrible at all of these things. But is there an opportunity here for me to create a program or a system that is inspired by all these different modalities, but anyone can come in and they can feel successful right away. However, if they chose to get deeper and deeper into the practice, they certainly could. And that was the catalyst for designing this thing that we now call animal flow. Mm. So what is animal flow? How would you describe it to somebody? Uh, Which version do you want? Um, any. <laughs> Whatever do you like. So typically, whenever, you know, if maybe let's say if I had a shirt on that said animal flow and someone, someone said, hey, you know, what is that thing? What is animal flow? I would usually start with the visual first. So I'd say, well, if you were to if you were to watch someone practicing animal flow, it may look like a combination of yoga and breakdancing and maybe some sort of gymnastics or martial art or, you know, dance. And then they, they can usually start to put together the pieces. And from there, I'll say it's a ground-based quadrupedal, so just hands and feet in contact with the ground, movement system that's designed to improve the connection, communication, and function of the human animal. And that's, that typically is the misconception because people hear animal flow and they think, oh, well, it must be all about acting like animals or using animal locomotion. And while we do use some animal movements, it truly is about, it's all about how we can inhabit our human vessel better, longer. So it truly is how we can connect to our vessel. And that's where we get into that connection communication part. So I, I'm a firm believer that if we can make someone a more embodied mover, then we're increasing the likelihood of their functionality. Mm. So that's kind of how I begin to explain it. And then if we have more time or if they seem more interested then I'll typically get into the four pillars that make up the entire system, hmm. uh, which is just performance, resilience, um, community, and the connection communication part. Hmm. Man, I love that. I'm so glad you brought up that point. We were fortunate enough to talk to Daryl Edwards. He puts out uh, the Primal Play work over in the UK. And we kind of talked about this as well. Like, I'm totally addicted to nature documentaries. I've watched them all several times. And when I see certain animals, they, they don't, they, they, like a whale does whale stuff. And that's like, I don't know, two or three things. And a cheetah can run super fast and can do that one thing really well. And I look at humans and the vast variety of movements that we can do. We can walk, we can run, we can crawl, we can hang, we can climb. Uh, it, it's just, it's incredible what the human body has capacity for as far as movement, isn't it? Man, it is absolutely insane the amount of ability that we have in these human bodies. Uh, it's also insane how limited most of us experience those opportunities. 
you know, even if we're talking about being bipedal, so just standing on two legs, I mean, we have to, you know, we have the ability to explore so many, so many different ranges, so many different movements, but think about putting all limbs on the ground, you know, both hands, both feet on the floor. Now you've opened up an entirely new option or, or excuse me, an entirely new plethora of options, I should say that allow you to move in all these different, very unique angles. And the cool thing about that is this new load profile because, you know, gravity is always pulling downward on our system. And we're typically experiencing that gravity from the top of our head down through our feet. But when we change our position in space, now gravity is loading those tissues, loading those joints, stimulating the nervous system in a very different way. And now we get this variability, which is so important for our, our longevity and creating resilient bodies. I love that. Man, okay, so we, by and large as a species, have largely been domesticated by, you know, agriculture and grasses and things like that. Um, and, you know, I look around and I see the way most people move, and it's like, m most of the time, it's like sitting and slouching. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you don't see yeah. a lot of the kind of movements that you are, are showing and talking about. Um, but if we were to undomesticate a human and put them in the wild, what kinds of things would you see them doing? Um. You, you know, it depend. It would really depend on what their role was in their societal structure. So in their tribe or, you know, what, what era we're talking about, you know, but I, I love one of the things that Michel Balcourt talks a lot about. I'm not sure if you know who that is. He's the, one of the co-creators of Viper and he's part of the Institute of Motion. Um, he, they talk a lot about farm, like farm boy strong, which is, you know, it's you have all these odd tasks. So you have, you know, one day you're pitching hay, one day you're building a fence, one day you're painting a house. And it's all of those novel experiences that add so much complexity and variability. And that's essentially what we're what we're trying to get after with the why behind animal flow is, you know, we have to break out of these patterns. And you know, you'll hear people say that like exercise it's, it's, it's a supplement. It's supplemental work that we have to do because we've gotten so far away from our, you know, quote unquote, human design. We're, we're now walking in very linear paths. We're, you know, uh, sitting most of the day. We're looking down at our phones. Even when we do go and exercise, they're in very, very linear motions. And again, these are supplemental to how our bodies have forged and evolved over time. So, you know, there's everything in our body is rewards us for movement like we're just we we need to move on every single level everything from our mental health to a cellular level we are we are um are, are rewarded again for for that movement that we do so that's one of the best things that we can encourage other people to do is just get out and not only move in lots of directions but try new things because you know most people have the tendency to go towards the thing that makes them feel strong or makes them feel safe or secure or they're good at versus the thing that scares them a little bit or they're not innately good at. And there, that's where the magic lies. It's trying new things because now we're exciting the body. We're going through the learning process, which, you know, starting over again, being a beginner 
is so important for how we experience our bodies. Ah, love that. Motion is lotion, my friend. And keeping that, That's beginner, it. that beginner mind, you know, of, of, yeah, I may be not that great at this right now, but if I keep at it and, you know, get the reps in, I will add more movement to my life. I'll access better movement in the future. It's so cool. I would really encourage the listener, like you, you, you just have to see this. You got to pull this up on YouTube. Um, you know, go to your website, which is super well done. You have to really, you know, see it visually to understand kind of what it is. But if somebody, if somebody, you know, didn't have access to a screen, how would you describe what somebody might kind of see in a, in a normal session? Um, if someone didn't have access to a screen, you know, I, I think the best way that I can explain animal flow to, to someone who can't actually see it, uh, you know, aside from the example that I gave earlier, like the putting, you know, yoga with breakdancing with whatever, um, I like to see, I like to think of animal flow as movement puzzles. So if you were to watch someone put both their hands and feet in contact with the ground, and then you just ask them to make as many shapes as they could while staying in contact with the ground by lifting one hand, by lifting a uh, hand in the opposite foot, and just find as many shapes as possible, that's, those puzzles are pretty much what animal flow looks like. And that's actually what I did in the creation of animal flow. So I took my understanding of you know, 10 plus years as a personal trainer, uh, being really into anatomy, I, I took my knowledge of how the body, my, my then knowledge of how the body is supposed to work or how it does work, and then tried, tried to figure out, okay, if, if I'm in these different shapes on the floor, how can I have a different opportunities to move an arm through this window, to move a leg through this window? And then what's that doing to my physical body, whether it be the contractile muscle or the fascial lines or the connective tissues. So it's, it really comes down to those just like making shapes, exploring, finding different angles. And uh, that's a really long-winded answer and not actually, I think, an answer to what you asked me. But that's, <laughs> that's the best way that I could explain to someone who doesn't have the ability to see what animal flow, what it may look like or feel like. I, that's a great answer. I thought it was an awesome answer. Just be different shapes, I think is such a fun way to even think about it and explore. Um, part of the system is the ABCs and th those seem to be kind of foundational, um, positions. Is that correct? Yeah, we call it the ABCs of animal flow. And actually they're, they're the ABCs because we, as I mentioned earlier, we do use some animal based positions and we call them the ABCs, which a stands for ape, so ape would look like your best deep squat. B stands for beast, so beast would be like a prone quadrupedal position. So I think most people think of like bear when you see someone who's chest down crawling. Uh, typically when you see that, the hips are higher, the knees are usually somewhere close to straight. Uh, in our beast, the knees are about one inch off the ground, so we're just barely holding our knees off of the floor. And then C is, of course, crab, which I think most people can probably think about what a crab may look like. They may have done it in gym class or, or some sort of you know game when they were growing up. So just those three base positions are really unique, the way in which they complement each other as far as the load profiles go. So anyways, to go back to your question, those are three of the four base positions in animal flow that we build everything from. Mm. Why is it so important to be as close to the ground as possible? Well, it, it depends. So it depends on, on who the person is, what you're having them do close to the ground. 
And if we, we go from the perspective of safety, so if I can get more ground contact, if I can get more body contact with the ground, there's a higher level of safety there. So we, we talk about in animal flow how the ground is supporting us. It's giving us safety. Um, however, when we look at the ground as a teacher, that's a completely different viewpoint. So we can look at the ground from a neurodevelopmental state or, or look through the lens of developmental patterns. And, you know, of course, as baby, we're figuring out how to negotiate our bodies and negotiate space as we play with the ground. So, you know, learning how to press up and roll over and eventually get up to a, a standing supported position to squat down. All those things are so fundamental and eventually getting to the point where we can walk and be these upright bipedal human beings. But also, it's not just what's happening from a coordination standpoint as babies playing around on the ground. There are also some very cool things happening within the brain. So as baby is learning how to crawl, there's a lot of stimulation of organizing uh, synapses. There's a lot of of, uh, of increasing cognitive fun functions. Um, so there's just, they're, they're, crawling on the ground is extraordinarily beneficial for our development. Um, one of the cool things that, that was found out a couple of years ago, in 2016, I believe, a group of researchers took uh, some participants through a four-week quad, novel quadrupedal movement training program where they used animal flow and they found that just within four weeks of cross-lateral novel quadrupedal movement, that there were noticeable increases in markers of cognition. So it's not just the physical part. It's also how the brain responds and reacts and can continue to grow and condition. So there's that part, but then there's also the awareness part. So whenever I have my hands and feet in contact with the ground, there is certainly a very clear invitation back inside of the body. So let's say that I'm going throughout my day and I have, you know, my awareness is kind of everywhere else. It's, it's in the news, it's in the phone, it's in what's going on currently in the world. And I don't have a lot of connection to my body. And a lot of times what will happen is people will go to the gym and they'll turn their attention to an external object and think about moving this object from point A to point B, or they'll stand on a treadmill and look at the TV. So the awareness is still external. But when we get someone in contact with the ground and we ask them to start performing these movement puzzles, like I mentioned earlier, then we're really inviting them back into their body. It's very tough for them to think about anything else that's going on because they have to be present. They have to be aware. So that's the consciousness part. Then there's also how our body communicates with itself. So we have all throughout our body, we have these little sensory receptors that are sending information about our place in space, about um, load, about the texture, and they're always sending information to our central nervous system. And one really great way to load these little receptors is, or one way to activate them, I should say, if, they're, if we're thinking of them as little satellites, is by loading them. And as we mentioned earlier, we have these really unique loads in quadrupedal positions where if I have both hands and feet in contact with the ground, my shoulders are loaded, my hips are loaded, my spine is loaded, my wrists are loaded, my elbows are loaded, my knees are loaded, my feet are loaded. And so that's a lot of information. So there, there are all of these cool different, different lenses that we can look through when looking at the benefits of groundwork.
Wow. One of my favorite books is called Go Wild. Um, and it describes in two separate parts of the book, it describes like you go to a gym, you, you know, dial up CNN, you, you know, you're, you're constantly getting blared by a lot of stress. And like, you're right. Like there's no mental engagement really. You can just plod along on a treadmill and then leave versus, you know, going on a trail run and you're, you're, you know, da dashing through rocks and your dog is there and he gets in your way and you have to readjust. And it, it makes the point that like, we have made machines that can kick our ass in chess, but we will never make a machine that will be able to reach out and articulate a chess piece with the ease and grace that a human can. And you think about, you know, just walking through a door. That is so incredibly complex. Your brain is not for holding facts. Your brain is for movement. You're, you're absolutely right. I think that's such a great point to hammer home. Yeah, 100%. And, you know, the, and when you're mentioning kind of like, you know, where our own understanding of self, our under, own understanding of where we are in space you know, that would be considered proprioception among other things. So, you know, our ability to understand um, where we are at any given time can be really, really muted if we have these very mechanical experiences every single day. And that's why when sometimes you hear, oh, well, I stepped off of a curb or slipped off of a curb and my back exploded into a million pieces. <laughs> you know, uh, 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 that's a very unfortunate scenario. But again, it's, it, I think that's largely due to not experiencing variety and not having those things. Like you mentioned earlier, if I'm out for a trail run, I have to always be negotiating my environment. There's a certain level of awareness. I have to be able to act and react, which is very different from going and running on a treadmill or getting on a selectorized machine at the gym and just pushing weight up and down. And I have to make it very clear that I am not against loaded training at all. I think loaded training certainly has its place. I definitely still um, practice loaded training and, and use weight training. Um, but that's only such a small sliver of, of these physical abilities, these biomotor abilities that we have creating strength. You know, And a lot of people think of, of exercising as, okay, well, I'm either doing my cardio or I'm, I'm lifting weights and that's it as far as exercise goes. So, you know, I, I would love to, to get more people to just think, well, one, do we have to call it exercise? Does it have to be something that we think that we have to do? Or can we change the conversation and look at this as maybe there's an opportunity here to find something that I love to do that gives me lots of novel movement opportunities that makes me want to change different patterns in my life. So maybe because I love doing this hobby so much, I want to get better at it. So that's going to affect the way that I sleep, eat, drink, et cetera, because I love this thing so much. Mm -hmm. And then even once you get someone from not doing anything to doing something, then encouraging them, okay, cool. Now you've got all of those experiences. Now go try something else. Go be brand new at something else. Mm, that's fantastic. I was actually going to ask you about that. Um, you know, isn't it, isn't it great to be wrong about stuff in fitness and health, like for your entire career? I've just like put 14 or 15 years together, just being like wrong about everything. <laughs> and I've changed my mind. I've changed my mind about, you know, movement and exercise a lot of times. And one concept, um, that was introduced to me recently was a book by 
Dr. Doug McGuff called Body by Science, and he promotes a very short, uh, intense kind of weighted um, workout that you do in the gym. It's like 15 or 20 minutes. You only do it once a week. You move really, really slowly, and you leverage that to get really strong, and then you go out and do what you love. And I was going to ask you, mm-hmm. um, I was going to ask you whether those two things were th- were at odds with each other, or if we can use all of these as separate tools for different things. You know, there. I, I think we can. You know, actually, before we get into that, I want to go back to what you said earlier, which I absolutely love. I love having the ability to go, wow, I have such a different view on that now than I did at a certain point in time. And I think when you can do that, that shows that you are a lifelong learner and that you are continuing to grow in all ways. So I love that you said that because, you know, there's nothing worse to me than someone who goes, yep, it's my way or the highway or this is the one way that everyone needs to move. Everyone needs to eat. Everyone needs to blah, 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 you know, fill in the blank. When you hear someone do that, it's clear that they're pushing their agenda and they've forgotten the endless complexities of the individual. And what can be a incredible stimulus and challenge to someone in the beginning, you know, six months, a year, two years down the road, their body has adapted to that challenge and now they need something new. So when you're talking about like having this, this foundation of strength and then going out and playing, I love that. I love that. I'm a huge advocate of things like that as well. So having the structure and, and I'm just in my own teachings and in my own philosophy and in my own workouts, I always have a tremendous amount of structure which I believe gives me the basis to have more freedom. Mm. So whenever we have freedom to go and play, to go and experience something new, to go jump over you know, from one rock to another rock and feel com- confident and comfortable doing it, it's, or to find this flow whenever we decide that we want to turn off and just allow our body to lead the motion versus thinking about it, I believe that the way in which we get to that level is by by really getting deeper into the practice of structure and the practice of repetition. So I'm a huge advocate of both, you know, because you'll hear these competing sides where someone may say, oh, well, it's all about structure. And then you have someone else that said, oh, well, it's all about play. It's all about just all you have to do is move. There has to be, in my opinion, this beautiful integration between the two. So in order for me to fully express my abilities as a free mover, I have to have first built a foundation through structure. Mm-hmm. Man, I love that. It's like the first time you got certified as a personal trainer, you knew everything. And from there, it was all downhill. Like I knew what a squat was on my first day of the job. And now I, I'm not sure what I know. I know what it is now. Um, yeah, that's- man, I'm, <laughs> I'm sorry to cut you off. I'm so guilty of that. I, you know, I, it's like when I, when I, you know, the first seven years of a, as a personal trainer, I mean, I thought I was such hot shit. I thought that I knew everything there was to know <laughs> about movement and about training someone. And I would sometimes look at someone else's workout and be like, huh, look how ridiculous that is. <laughs> and it's just, you have to, I think you have to go really deep into it before you get on the other side and just go, oh, well, hey, do they enjoy it? Yes. Awesome. Are they getting results from it in some way? Awesome. That is perfect for them right now. Yep. You know, is it, is it hurting them? No, even then that means it's great. 
So it's like you really have to go get on the other side before you can go, you know what? As long as they're doing something and they enjoy it, that's great because they can have the best training program, the best coach. But if they hate it and they don't like going and doing it, then their adherence is much lower. And guess what? They're not going to get the results from that perfectly laid out training program. So there has to be that level of, I like to do this thing. Mm, totally, totally. So well explained. You've already used the word and it's, it's the word that it follows animal and it's flow. And I'm, it's one of my favorite words. And I'm curious to know, did you, it, was it, was it kind of like a play on words where you wanted to talk about the flow of movement, but also getting into the flow state? Well, keep in mind, uh, I, I, I started developing animal flow over 10 years ago. And at that point, you know, if we were to travel back in time, um, you know, the paleo was, was a big buzzword. Um, primal was kind of a big buzzword at that time. And where my thought process was, you know, from these different things, let me just back up and kind of articulate that, articulate that in a slightly different way. When I was looking, when I was having these experiences of exploration and I was getting into parkour and getting into breaking, um, and then also having experience uh, like as a skateboarder, as a snowboarder, as a musician, I understood different experiences of flow. And so when I was designing animal flow, it was important for me to one, have a name that, 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 that I felt like justified this concept of animal, but not being the four-legged animal necessarily. It's more about these human animal species that we are, these bodies that we have, and how we can use them to experience flow. And it just so happens that that's the name of this system. But I think to me, especially now being 10 years later, animal flow to me is, is anything. It's everything. It's how we experience life. It's how we go throughout our day. It's how we experience flow and conversation. It's how we, you know, um, uh, like do our, our natural habits. It's, it's like, it's how we embody these vessels. So it's uh, my understanding of this kind of phrase, animal flow has become everything. But at the time it really was about, okay, it's about the human animal animal. It's about creating opportunity for more fluidity through movement. Mm. And it wasn't until later, you know, where I think, uh, you start hearing the, the 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 term flow state a lot more, and you know you have all this great research coming out from the flow genome guys, and you know there's just so much so much great information now on flow state. But the original intention intention was fluidity through motion and fluidity through life, and I love and kind of going back to what we were talking about earlier. Sorry, I'm a little bit all over the place, but back to what we were talking about earlier with structure allowing us freedom i love the idea of going through the repetitions to so to to a degree that we can completely turn off and experience flow and that's that to me is is the pinnacle of animal flow it's getting to that point to where you no longer have to think about what you're going to do next and you're just allowing your body to explore space 
Mm. Dude, I just served you that on a golden platter that you could have taken all the credit for doing all the research on flow before it was a thing like flow state. And <laughs> yeah, that was me. Of course I thought of that. <laughs> uh, well, thank oh, you. That wouldn't be nice. <laughs> Thanks for your honest opinion. I don't know if I would have done the same thing. I probably would have taken all the credit. Um, <laughs> that was a really good and thoughtful answer. Who would you say needs animal flow the most? Like when you look around, and see people like who do you say like wow this could really benefit such and such you know so i for me it's it's you know look i i love for to promote my own program i love for people to try animal flow but i to me it, it really is the message is try anything new that takes you outside of what you're currently doing so if you're a cyclist and you've always been a cyclist, you know, I'm in Boulder, there are cyclists outside of my house right now. I mean, there, you know, there are so many people that are, are in these repet repetitive uh, hobbies and sports, which is, again, not a bad thing. But if we can just encourage them to try something else that, that exposes their body to new patterns and new lo loads, that's fantastic. So if you ask me who is animal flow good for, I can say someone who has either never moved before and they want to start somewhere, the ground is a great place to start, or someone who's already doing something, someone who's already working out, already has a great hobby, sport, et cetera, and they want to try something new. So to me, the answer is everyone, fill in the blank. But uh, I, think, I think even bigger than that, the answer is, Everyone needs to try things that take them outside of the current patterns they're in. Mm. And, and they don't necessarily need to be of a certain fitness level just to get started with that. Not at all. Yeah. Not great. at all. And, and I think I mentioned that at the very beginning of the conversation, which was, it was important to me when designing the system that anyone at any level could come in and feel successful right away. Challenge, yes, but successful. I never wanted to have a system that was like this you know, superior, uh, dogmatic system where it's like, you know, you just have to be the best and, and it's uh, very elite. That's, that's not what animal flow is. It looks super cool when it's done at a very high level, but the foundations are so accessible. Mm. And you use the phrase, you know, get outside your comfort zone, but you could have just as easily ended the sentence out of just get outside. I mean, isn't that just yeah. the best thing to be able to do this kind of work at when you're outside and using what, what nature is giving you wherever you are? Oh, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. You know, we, we have, this incredible global community of animal flow instructors. We've got about 12,000 around the world and they are so good about posting videos and photos of them doing flows at the tops of mountains and these incredible beaches. And it's, you know, it's like, yeah, I'd love to see that you're doing animal flow. That's awesome. I also love to see that you're just out in nature playing and exploring. Mm, that's great. Are you working on any breath work as well? Uh, yeah, you know, it's funny. We are, we are about to this, not this weekend, but the next weekend, is our very first level three. So the, our workshops go one, two, three. Level three is the pinnacle. We will no, no longer have any higher levels. So level three is basically my full understanding of this offering or this system. So in level three, 
we talk a lot about this very simple idea, which is breath mobility. So in level one, it's we quite often will get the question, is there a specific way I'm supposed to breathe? And the answer is always, no, just breathe. Because it's really, really common to see people trying to figure out these movements and, and they just begin to hold their breath. So in the very beginning, we just say, just breathe. In level two, we say, breathe audibly. So there's still no, no prescription as far as on this movement, you exhale, on this movement, you inhale. It's breathe audibly. So now you're starting to bring awareness to how you can utilize your breath as a tool. In level three, we get into this concept of breath mobility, which is having the ability to either inhale or exhale during any phase or degree of any movement. We can then take it a step further and say having the ability to either inhale or exhale through either the nose or the mouth through any phase or any degree of any movement. And then we can take it a step further and say, we can allow the intention of the movement to dictate which breathing strategy I use. So maybe let's say, just for example, I perform this, you know, in having, if someone's listening, they've never seen animal flow, you can just imagine, let's say I do this thing that we call a side kick through. And most people could understand, like you're kicking to the side. A lot of the names in animal flow are descriptive. They're not creative. So let's say I'm performing <laughs> this side kick through and I can allow the intention to dictate what breathing strategy I'm using. So maybe I want to perform it with a sharp exhalation because I want the movement to be this energy break. I want to create force to stop force. So it's a very sharp and quick motion. Or maybe I want to use it as an opportunity to open up and take a nice long inhale because it puts my thoracic cage or my rib cage at this really beautiful angle to take in oxygen. And I can explore expansion through the breath. So it's kind of looking at, at what is driving the movement, what, are, what, what do I want to get out of the movement, and then picking a breathing strategy that matches that and facilitates that. And then the last kind of point of that, and this goes directly back to what we were talking about earlier, is having so much of that practice that when I just turn off and I just allow my body to do what it wants, it will pick its own breathing strategy because I haven't only practiced one. I've practiced, I've practiced a multitude of strategies. So now I have a bigger bank of opportunity. Dude, you are giving me the best segues. <laughs> this is awesome. I was just going to ask you, does that intentional breathing during exercise start to leak out into the rest of your life when you're not moving, you're not exercising, you might be sitting calmly? Have you noticed that maybe the mind is more still or your breathing has improved? Well, and that's a you know a hundred percent, and that's one of the, one of the other things that we talk about. You know, the respiratory system is such an incredibly unique system because it is an automated system. You know, we breathe twenty thousand breaths a day, roughly, and we never have to think about one if we don't want to. <laughs> but if we choose to hijack the system, we can use our breath as a tool to change our state, which is mind-blowing. It is absolutely one of the coolest things in the world to think that we can actually use our breath as a tool to change the way that we're experiencing our current state. So if we learn how to breathe in certain ways, we can become more parasympathetic, so more rest, digest, or get into that, that side of the spectrum. If we want to use a different breathing pattern, we can become more sympathetic, so we can get more into fight or flight if we're trying to get, you know, really like like amped up to do a workout or to go 
run or to achieve something um, that takes a lot of effort. So once we have these abilities and we know, okay, I can breathe this way to elicit a specific result, it 100% crosses over into all facets of your life, not just when you're moving or exercising. Mm. And that parasympathetic state, excuse me, I just notice a difference in dealing with stress. When something stressful happens and I've been, you know, calmly nose breathing for a while, I I can handle stress so much better than I used to be able to. And I think that's a huge, huge part of it. So I'm glad that you, you highlighted that. And I'm also glad that you highlighted both benefits. Oftentimes, you know, with things like the sympathetic, parasympathetic nervous system, certain hormones, we think they're bad or they're good. This is a good hormone. This one makes you stress. So it's bad. And it's absolutely not true. They're, they're good for different reasons and we need them all at different times. So I think that's a really great point you made in using the breath as a tool for what you need at that time, man, just so, so helpful. I love that. You already mentioned the certifications. What other kinds of offerings do you have? Your website is just so well done and there's so much content on there. Um, can you explain like what things people can expect on, on there? Absolutely. So if people want to experience animal flow, there are lots of options for them. So let's just start with maybe I'm someone who just wants to try a class out, but I don't want to go to a live class. I don't want to find an instructor. I just want to do it at home. Great. Go to the Animal Flow YouTube channel. You can try a free class there or try some of the free tutorials there and just see if it's something that resonates with you. So that's one way you can try it. If you decide that you want to really get into it, and again, you want to stay at home when you do it, we have this app. It's it's an on-demand subscription-based platform. You can access it on your computer or your your iPad or your phone. And it uh, just is this huge content library of classes, flows, tutorials, and we're just adding to it every single week. So that's another way that you can experience it. If you want to go to an actual workshop. So let's say you're like, man, I really want to jump into this and I want to learn as much as I can. We allow both fitness professionals and non-fitness professionals to go through the training. Um, If you're not currently a fitness professional, you don't have an accreditation that allows you to teach other people, um, then you can't actually become certified, but you can go through the same process. You can even go through the test out process. You just can't teach other people until you go through another accreditation or certifying body. Um, But so anyone is welcome to any of our workshops. We do do workshops both in person all over the world, as well as online. So those are our other options. Um, And then if someone wants to meet an instructor, I believe next week we'll have our instructor locator up on the website. So people can go and find an instructor near them or find classes near them. They want to go to animal flow official on Instagram. We're always posting available classes there. And if they're on the animalflow.com website, check out a mini documentary that we just put out not too long ago called we invite you to move which really just goes back to this whole concept of do anything, try something. Yeah. So those are lots of ways that people can uh, experience animal flow at varying levels. That's great. For the listener, unless you're driving, go to the website, watch the movie. It's 13, 14 minutes long. It is absolutely beautiful. And you get a glimpse of what fun and flow this can produce. What a cool movie. When did you decide to do that? You know, we started the, we, we started playing around with the concept about six months ago, and I have to say that it went through an evolution of its own. So whenever we first started 
we, we just thought, you know, okay, let's, let's do this little mini doc about what animal flow is, what inspired it, what the history of it is all about, because, you know, there's still a lot of people that see it. And the first thing they do is they just associate it with other things. So they see it and they go, oh, well, that's, well, that's just dance or that's just capoeira or that's just, um, you know, fill in the blank. So we wanted to just say like, hey, here is what animal flow is. Here's where it came from. Here were the inspirations to it. And in that process, I grabbed some of my friends that do those things that I was involved with that it really inspired me. So there are some local there's a, a local buddy of mine here who has a dance studio, who is an incredible B-boy, grabbed him to do some interviews. I grabbed an incredible parkour athlete uh, who's local. I grabbed another couple dancers and I just started interviewing them on some of these bigger concepts of like, what is flow? Why is free movement so important? What are the, how did you get started? And through that process of interviewing these other people who have dedicated large portions of their life to their, to their chosen practice, Every single time they started to tell their story or tell what their thing meant to them, I would just see them light up. I would see their energy change. I would see them get super, super passionate about what they were talking about. And I just, I was like, oh, wait, no, this is the story. It's find the thing that you love. And at that point, going through that process, just telling about animal flow and the history of animal flow felt really self-serving. I was like, this there's a way bigger message. And the, the bigger message is go and explore. And that's what I want to share with people. So that's why we ended up really going forward with the documentary and, um, and just having a bigger and more genuine message in, involved. Well, you definitely accomplished that. It is extremely well done and you are totally right. You can just see the pure joy and flow and fun from these people who you can tell just love, love what they're doing. Oh man, this has been an awesome conversation. I've heard you in the past talk about structure and chaos and I see it in animal flow. And I also look out in the world and see, you know, a few years of, of a lot of chaos and not much structure. How, yeah. how can animal flow help us understand life in general, not just movement? Um, you know, I think, I think through the, it's through the process of self-mastery where we find the gems, we find the gifts, you know, and, and that, that, that phrase self-mastery is kind of thrown around a lot. Master is thrown around a lot, but you know, this, this process of being on a journey of self-mastery is not a comfortable process. It means that we're always trying to get just a little bit better, meaning that we're always working outside of our current abilities just slightly. Not too much because then we can't adapt. So whenever we're really decide that we want to take on this, this journey of self-mastery, I think that that resonates and shows up in every aspect of our life. So yes, acquiring a skill. Yes, learning a new movement. Yes, learning a new hobby. But I'm also a firm believer that this discomfort can really lead to a lot of growth in relationship, can lead to a lot of growth in how we navigate our day, can lead to a lot of growth, growth in how we show up in society and in the, the groups of friends that we work, that we run, sorry, that we communicate with and the people in which we work with. So I'm not saying that animal flow is going to make the world a better place, but I do think it's through that process of being a journey man, a journey woman, and continuously trying to get better 
And learning how your body works and how to inhabit it better is just part of that process. So I hope that if someone decides that they want to explore animal flow or anything else, that 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 really echoes throughout the rest of their existence. And it's not just at the time that they're actually, quote unquote, exercising. Beautiful answer. That's a tremendous answer. I really love that. I think I know what you're going to say here, but if you had one simple tip to leave with the listener, what would that be? Try something new. <laughs> I nailed it. <laughs> Man, that's amazing. A great answer. And this has been such an amazing conversation. Mike Fitch, where can people go one more time to connect with you and your work and find Animal Flow? Uh, animalflow.com or on Instagram, mikefitch.af. I love that. We will link that all in the show notes. Mike Fitch, thank you so very much for all of your work, for your progression in your career, being willing to be wrong and finding new and fun and engaging ways to move and to not only do that, but also to share it with others, to share it with other, you know, fitness professionals who can then share it with, uh, you know, their people. It's just, it's really wonderful to see your message is amazing. It's really accessible. And so thank you so much. We're so grateful for you and your work and your willingness to come on the show today with us. We really appreciate you. Well, well, thank you for having me. It was, a, it was a true honor and a really great time. Awesome. Well, um, we also want people to move to Denver, so just keep that in mind. <laughs> I hope you have some new neighbors that come from here. <laughs> Traffic's terrible. All right, man. Well, thanks again. We really appreciate it. Yeah, take care. And this has been another episode of Boundless Body Radio. So thank you again so very much for listening to Boundless Body Radio. I can't thank you, the listener, enough. We are so grateful for you. This year, 2021, was amazing. We got to talk to so many amazing people around the world and got to learn so much from them. And we actually just passed 80,000 downloads worldwide, which I just, when I started this, could not even fathom that we could reach that many people with the message. And hopefully you have gotten a lot out of this, um, as, as have we. Um, as we start the new year, we just wanted to let you know about some of the resources that we offer at Boundless Body LLC. Please go to our website, which is myboundlessbody.com. That's myboundlessbody.com. You will see an option to book a complimentary 30-minute consultation with us so that we can discuss your goals with health and fitness and maybe help you create a plan for the new year. Bethany, my wife, also offers uh, virtual Matt Pilates classes, which are absolutely amazing. They're very engaging and also very, very affordable. Those can be done live on Mondays and Fridays or also given out as a recording to do at your own convenience. We also offer training and meal planning services that are also done virtually from the safety of your own home. So if you want to avoid the busyness of a gym, we can help show you how to get really fantastic results at home with a very minimal amount of equipment. We've been doing it now for two years. We've gotten pretty good at it. So we are happy to show you that. Once again, that website is myboundlessbody.com. And if you are enjoying the show, please leave us a rating and review on Apple. It really helps um, get this passion project out to more people. So cheers to 2022. And thank you again for listening to Boundless Body Radio.